Hello everyone and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is Liam McGuinness and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, George Mannion. Hi. And Grant Parkin. Hello. And this episode is being produced by Alicia McLaren. So each episode of the podcast, we'll be looking at a different album that one or more of us consider to be flawless. What that means might be different for each of us and we'll go into that as well. So for me, it's about an album that beginning to end has not a single weak track. Every track holds and owns its place, working both alone and contributing to the whole. I'm afraid we also have to start off with a bit of bad news. I actually ran into George and her mum during the week and she informed us that there is no album that is flawless. <laughs> so unfortunately, we're going to have to just shut it down because it's just been, that's it. My mother is 17. Her opinion has more weight than any of ours that's put right. together. Yeah, no, she's got the experience. So I'm afraid <laughs> it's all over. We're done. See everybody, see everybody next time. But... We will now get started. So, the first album that we're going to do is The Thermals, The Body, The Blood, The Machine. The album was released on August 22nd, 2006 on Sub Pop and was produced by Brendan Canty from Fugazi. So, the album opens with a church organ, a single solid note, and then a guitar crashes into that, and then Hutch Harris comes in with his epic opening line. God reached his hand down from the sky. He blooded the lamb and he set it afire. And it's basically like this total perfect summary of what the album is about to come from the rest of the album. Has anyone got any thoughts on the opening of the album? So my first thought was because I do like the thermals and I've got other um, albums that I have preferred by them in the past. But my first thought was, what happened to Liam at Sunday school (laughs) that he chose this as his favourite thermals record? Yes. Uh, Yeah. So firstly, Liam, I would like to ask you, what happened to you at Sunday school (laughs) that you chose the epic, religious, almost rock opera that the thermals did? thematic. The th- yeah, absolutely. Album that it pretty is. much from start to finish, including such classics as the Pillar of Salt, and I'm yeah. like, mm. you know, proving once again that women have no place in the Bible. <laughs> so, what what brought what was you? The prompt? To, yeah, what prompted you to, to to pick this specific one above others, and was it religion based? So, I'll touch on the religion stuff. It wasn't religion based. I was raised Catholic, but then after I had my confirmation I think they have at grade seven I pretty much never went back and that was the end of it and that was fine because my parents sort of started me that way and then I went that way and it was fine um probably the thing that grabbed me the most is like this was the first thermals record that got any play in Australia so um Pillar of Salt got airplay on Triple J which is the independent rock station here and yeah I heard that song I was blown away by it right from the start and it's just this constant this three minute blast of there's no soft bits there's no up now so like really aggressive really on you straight away and so I loved it and that made me get the album and then the album just tickled me in a certain way as well we don't think we're special sir we know everybody is we've built too many walls yeah we've built too many walls certainly when I first first heard it I was confronted as to how um, religious it was and 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 I, I quite enjoy his lyrics when you get used to it. I was like, oh, this guy's stirring the pot. This mm-hmm. is actually really um, quite entertaining <laughs> and, and really uh, I enjoyed it so for mine. Mm. Um, but I was sitting on a, on a, on a turbo at like half past four in the morning cycling away and this camp <laughs> yeah. starts off and I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so Here's Your Future is definitely one of my favourite tracks, just that opening one, just that, yeah, that really punchiness straight into it. 
Um, the other thing I really love about it is that it's 10 tracks. It's really taut. It's just like mm. straightforward. Nothing after the first. So nothing except the last three tracks go over three and a half minutes. So none of them are like, oh, we're going to ease you into this or we're going to have a slow song here or we're going to try and have our soft acoustic number here. I'm just going to, we're just going to punch straight into it and get through it, through it straight away. See, that's what I felt like it was missing though. Just because I've listened on a lot of the other records, they have a few softer moments. Mm. But And I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like, is confronting from start to finish. But I guess really that is what makes it an mm. epic record. It's mm. something that comes up and goes, hey, this is what we're about. Done. Yeah, yeah. super st- comfortable with it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's not, they were deliberately not making something that was for a comfortable audience. Mm. It was, we have a th- we have a theme here and yeah. there is a lot to play with in that theme. Mm. And they could have gone into with even more depth when it came to the confrontational, like yeah. religious aspect, but I think they did quite well. But they even brought the Nazi side yeah. into it throughout mm. the, um, at, throughout like one or two of the tracks as yeah. well. So um, using the... Work will set you free lyrics. I was like, oh, I've only ever heard bands like Manic Street Preachers use stuff like that uh, deliberately, provocatively. So, Mm. you know, from that side, I was like, oh, you're not holding back any punches. Yeah. Um, But for from the one the one thing I really wanted to say was it didn't have enough or any backing vocals. No. So in later records, especially, there were backing vocals that I really loved from her name escapes Kathy me. Kathy Foster. Kathy Foster, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's backing vocals that she has um, that just sound really the, cohesive um, and like really nice, but there wasn't any on this. But I guess from one side, you, I looked at it as, well, did any woman really have a view or a voice in the Bible? Yeah. Um, to, or maybe it was earlier in their time as a band yeah. and they weren't ready for that layer yet so i don't remember from their first two albums i don't think they had any backing vocals either mm-hmm. i think it was literally just yeah him i think it, even their first album was literally just him recording all the parts and it wasn't until he sort of yeah. went down the line a bit that he got other bandmates and started doing stuff together so okay. yeah you're but you're right it's it's not i'm not sure it's missing but it, does, it doesn't have those backing vocals in there i think if if i hadn't heard later albums it would not have occurred to me mm. it's yeah. just that like my the, my favorite records which aren't flawless but they are, mm. you know, my favourite ones from later down the line. Yeah. They had some of those backing vocals that I loved hearing. Mm. Just I like hearing, f- like, male, female dual vocals on yep. on particular songs. And just to go back to that slower bit, for ages, I was like, I wish bands wouldn't just throw in, here's our slow track, here's our, mm. we're not just one-trick ponies. We've got variety and we've got range and we're, we're meaningful and we're empathetic and we're trying to, you know, we're trying to <laughs> connect with you and we've, we've got variety in our sound. And now I've sort of come around to the idea that because I've got favorite albums that we will hit on in this podcast down the line where they do have that slower one and it just works really well. And sometimes it, it hits that spot and it's just like, yep, yeah, no, I get how this sits in as part of the rest of the structure. But when they don't do it, when it literally is just like 10 go to woe, I'm just like, okay, I appreciate that. That's like, you guys didn't want to do this. You knew exactly what you wanted. You just banged it out and mm. here we are. So what, this was off the first album you chose. Yes. Why did you choose this as the first record that we were going to listen to and go, boom, this is flawless, and not just go, David Bowie, or whatever, and choose something really mainstream? Because, Mm. you know, the Thermals aren't a mainstream band. No. By any stretch. They're even obscure within the post-punk world to some extent. And, you know, like your Super Chunks and everyone else, they've got their place, but they're not a mainstream band. So Mm. what was it that brought you 
to bring this record to the plate. So I think it was like a couple of years ago, I used to have my own website that I would write a lot, lot of stuff for and I had the idea to write a, ser- and a series of articles called Flawless and each piece would be about an album and it was always going to be albums from my collection that I really love and that people don't necessarily know about. So one of the things that I want to do with this podcast and one of the reasons I've set it up is it always feels like a lot of the way we talk about pop culture and music in particular is we're racing to see who can say this sucks in the funniest way or the snarkiest way or the fun or the baddest way are you looking at me when you're saying that no i'm not looking at anybody there's no one in this room who's guilty of this but i think it's more about (laughs) i don't want to talk about stuff that i don't like and i don't want to talk about stuff that's bad i want to talk about stuff that's great and i want to find stuff that people don't know is great and connect them to it Mm. and so this is the stuff and i think as we go on quite a few of my albums that i've picked in our list so far are ones that i don't think necessarily a lot of people know about and sure. I want to try and get people to listen to them and really love them. So you're almost campaigning for the uh, listening of records yes. that are flawless yes. that, have been, that have been largely underrated sometimes. Trying to, yes. Yeah. And, that, and that's obviously, that's going to sound massively hipster and, you know, you should listen. But I just oh, want Oh, you're not a hipster, you're fine. No, but I really want people to, yeah, share this stuff with people. And the full album, of course, not just, you know, one hit wonders. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Mm. Okay, good. Mm. Yeah, I do think actually from from the aspect of it being a, an entire record, it works so well. Yeah. Mm. From from start to finish in its just relentless push towards <laughs> its agenda mm. of challenging yes. religious rights and religious freedoms and talking about stories of that have been passed down through generations and then coming at it from a like this more punk post-punky aspect, but not in a really Okay, so the thing I liked was it wasn't necessarily pointing out this stuff is bad. Yeah. Mm. And it wasn't passing judgment on a huge amount of stuff. It was merely shedding a light and speaking as of people who were represented in Bible stories and yeah. stuff, which yeah. was which is different to how a lot of bands would usually approach a religious song. Mm. So it is, yeah, so it is that concept album that they that it's about uh, a US where Christian fascists have taken over yeah. the world, the country, and, and these people are on the run and they're running up to Canada to try to escape, which I didn't actually realise until like five or six years down the line of actually listening to it because I wasn't at a position where I'd hear about an album and then I'd go and find out and read a lot about it. Like I just listened to it and I'd love it on its own. So yeah, I didn't even realise at the time. At the time I thought it was just a bunch of songs all centred around a common theme, which when you read some of the interviews with the, the lead singer, that's what he says is like, he writes these albums based on themes, but this is the one where it's a bit more, it's more than that, that it is a story. It's these characters who are moving through this world and the people in the world are using this religion as a tool to, to oppress people and to control people and control the world. And so, I, yeah, I didn't even realise that's what it was until a few years down the line. And is it any coincidence that you brought it to the table during Trump's presidency? It is a coincidence, but it is a massive... So, yeah, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was how much of it's an album of its, of its time. Like, it's a, mm. it's a snapshot mm. of the world as it was in 2006. So we were halfway through the George W. Bush presidency. He was starting wars for oil in all sorts of countries, which we'll t- hit back on later on. And, yeah, it's just such that snapshot of using religion and tapping into people's faith to then make really bad decisions and do really awful things to other people. And it's just that snapshot of that 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 whole thing. And so you would think then when you say that normally of an, it's an album of its time, that then, you know, as time goes past, it's not as relevant anymore. But then you look at it right now and it's like, holy crap, if it 
was released tomorrow, it would be the theme album of the Donald Trump presidency, of using that people's faith and their beliefs and their positions against to do truly awful things to other people. So almost the Donald Trump presidency could make the thermals incredibly more relevant. Yes. Yeah. If they released so, another album too of the so same stuff. Could, or if they re-released it Is now. Re- yeah. I feel like it would be it would work. Mm. Whereas if they released it two years ago, it would, would fall on deaf ears. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what else have you got? to share about the like about the thematics of the record and things so we'll hit on probably my favorite song on the album which is power doesn't run on nothing so it's the Mm. second last track of the album love going out with a big sort of one that last smash at the end before and then sort of a a final track which is not as religious as some of the other songs that are on the album but it's more and you think about it you listen to the lyrics it feels like it's actually more about uh, the American Native Indians and how we were seizing mm. their territory and we need your space, we need the things that you have. And then you think it's about a George W. Bush and how he was going and taking the Americans to other countries and seizing their countries because they needed oil. And now you look at the Dakota Access Pipeline stuff that happened last year and it's like it's literally exactly what happened to the people who were on that space. It's like, we need your land. So give us what we're asking for To see the way we're gonna take it standing on right now get out it's like the words that the people were yelling at those indian people the native americans sorry who were on that land is almost word for word what he sings in the song i think it's just amazing how mm. exactly taps into something like that fear mongering huh mm. yeah i absolutely agree and i i think from that perspective you could almost argue that Changing the lyrics somewhat could bring it to Australian politics. Yeah, exactly. Same as well. (laughs) And knowing that it's, okay, so thinking more in terms of the US, but we've hit those three major incidents and major events that we know about. It's like, is the US ever going to stop doing this stuff? Is there ever Mm going to be a situation where US as a country then steps back and goes, okay, no, you know, we're not just, we're not the superpower. We're going to be part of a world community. And it never feels like it's ever going to happen because they just keep hitting that same mistake over and over again. I think that's hugely fear-based mm. and I, it doesn't surprise me that it, religion is used as a way of kind of procuring um, followers mm. when it comes to indoctrinating them into pol- political ideals. Okay, give me more. Give so, me more info on the b- album I don't know yet. Okay, mm. so the thermals are Hutch Harris, who's the lead singer, guitarist, Kathy Foster, who does awesome work on the bass, and then Western Glass on drums. He's, I think, their third drummer. They had a few other drummers as they went through. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was listening to the album for this, I'd never really paid that much attention to the drums before, but the drum work on this is really good. Like, it's just this constant, and you just... When they talk about punk music, it's like, oh, yeah, you just thrash three chords together and the drummer just does goes really fast. But drumming fast is really hard, mm-hmm. and having that in that sense of control, like, taking it up to the edge of, I'm about to just, like, start smashing stuff at random... I'm at that speed, but I've still got complete control over it, I think is really amazing. How many albums do they have and where is this in the... So this is album number three, and I think they've now got six. Okay. So they've sort of... Um, so they, their first two were really sort of rough and sort of just generally um, sort of more pop, more punky. Yep. And then um, Brendan Canty was brought on as the producer and he gave this album a bit more of a sheen to it and a bit more of a clean sound and also brought... Harris's vocals up into it a little bit more so he previously like his vocals te- the guitar tended to run roughshod a bit over his vocals yeah. and this one they yeah they brought in 
his voice a lot more into the mix. And then they did another album like that in a sort of similar style and then did another one where they stepped it back a bit and went a bit rougher again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the ba- the album that I always love the most is on my one of my playlists is Personal Life, where it's a bit more refrained, but they've still got some ideas there, and it's but it's a bit it's a bit subtler. So it's a, obviously a lot less hard hitting than this record, but um, but it's it's got its some songs which are hits and some songs which okay. are misses. And are they toured Australia? Have you they seen they haven't been to Australia for well as long as I've known them. They've never been to Australia. Okay, I have seen them live. I was going to talk about that in a minute but yeah I have seen them live we were over in the US a few years ago and we happened to be over there while they mm-hmm. were touring so we went and saw them um, it was amazing as you would expect so it was in San Diego so we caught a bus out or no we were driving and a friend of ours caught a bus to San Diego and we met them there and then went to this gig and it was literally a house like a two-story <laughs> Queenslander where they just funneled out the bottom of the thing of the house and just built a stage in under the house and then something that I'd never seen before which was they built another stage down sort of like a little corridor space and so when one band was playing on the main stage they'd be setting up on the other one and then as soon as that band finished the band would start over on the other stage and obviously that's what happens in festivals but i'd never seen that done in just a gig venue before they're like oh we're going to have 30 minutes between bands so let's lay three planks of wood over here and put a speaker there Mm -hmm. and suddenly we've got a a second stage cool and how many people were at that concert Mm. um well because it was only a house probably only about 100 150 people 200 sort of in that sort of range so yeah it was just sort of like a backyard like a backyard gig wow and um yeah so i was a bit worried when we went because i was like oh this is my favorite album and definitely the one i love the most and the other ones i like certain songs off but not as much and i was like oh you know they'll probably just come out and go here's all the songs from our latest album and we're just going to play two old singles and none of them will be off this album but it wasn't they they really had a lot of the songs off this album so i think they know that this is the one that people really know them for and people really like. Mm. So it was that was really awesome to know a lot of the songs that they played. And they were great. They were like, it was energetic and they're all just awesome doing their thing. And it's just great to see a band who's just completely, exactly knows what they're doing on stage and knows what their role is and how they do it. I get the impression that they know how to work well together. Yes. And they've all been together for, for long enough now. Cause like mm-hmm. they're one of those bands now that they've been around. So this was their third album, 2006. So they've been together 15 years. So mm. there's not a lot of bands that make it to 15 years, just still doing you know, without major changes or lineup changes. Cause I'm pretty sure it's now still the same lineup. Those three, mm-hmm. those three from the beginning. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Talking of which I used to go to gigs like that in houses where you'd play in a living room, one band would play. And then in the kitchen, the other band would play like nice. alternate, alternate, them i'm sure the neighbors absolutely hated it because yeah. it was terraces in england but yeah. and it was hardcore bands but still it's nothing like going to a gig like that mm. the atmosphere and the environment is something really special so i can't imagine seeing these guys yeah, yeah. in that, that kind of environment i'll be like oh what yeah. like i can hear these songs yeah so it's one of those things where it's like in an ideal musical world these guys would be superstars and playing giant buildings and touring the world but well, maybe I'm kind of okay that it hasn't worked out that way because I get to see them with 200 mm-hmm. people and not have to try and crush with lots of other people for tickets or sit, you know, be in a seated venue or whatever. So it was really good. Also, the house was on the flight path and literally like a K from the airport. So planes were coming in and they were like, that plane I think is landing on us. It was like <laughs> really, really low every time. It was, wow. yeah. So people can't complain about the noise if you're that close no, to an airport. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't, yeah, there didn't seem to be any concerns from the neighbours or anything about what was going to mm-hmm. happen. That's awesome. How, so when was that? You were in San Diego? So I think oh, 
five years ago now. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. So it was so like 2012. Yeah, it's probably been about 2012, 2013. So we went over for a um a friend's wedding and then did a bit of a trip and saw a bunch of bands and different gigs and festivals. So this was like six that. years after this record came yep. out, mm. and they still were like, "Yep, yep." Some of this these. This is the one. This is the one we still play a bunch from. Yeah. I guess I didn't look up, but I really should have because I was in England up until three years ago. So, um. My knowledge of them came from like the UK punk scene, mm. and I I don't know where if they ever charted. So I need to find that out. Yeah, I'll do that for any postscript that we're going to yep. have with this homework podcast. That's my yep. homework is, and you have to do the same from yeah, South Africa. Yeah, Sith, sure. I'm trying. I'm, I'm going to oh. tr- nail the accent one day. One day. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing you hadn't heard of them until we nominated the album. Literally nothing mm-hmm. at mm. all, and. Uh, as I said, it was early hours of the morning and I'm cycling away and this comes on and I was like, what? Yeah. This is like challenging all of, of, um, of what I was indoctrinated into, for want of a better word, I suppose, at, at an Anglican boarding school and, uh, and the like in Sunday school, etc. So um, once I got over the, you know, what this guy's talking about, and this <laughs> which is actually, uh, yeah, I re- really enjoyed it. So um, just uh, I'll listen to it again. So. Mm. So as you weren't a Thermals listener before, mm. I'm really interested to know if there were, if you had any comparisons in your mind to other bands that you would have gone, ah, oh, I, I imagine these guys on a playlist with X, Y, and Z. Oh, so I'd probably go the first um, Offspring album, mm-hmm. Ignition. Um, if, if, I, I don't know if I've got that on my, on my best of, of mm. list. Um, but it starts and it's, it's really, I suppose, punky and, you know, the, the, a lot of drums that are going, you know, hell for leather sort of stuff. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything, that's a good question, that anything else that really um, struck out, I suppose, because it's, an, it's not necessarily a genre that I would have um, gone out for mm-hmm. um, or looked at. Um, but certainly that, that early um, Offspring Smash would be probably the close, most closely aligned to, to that one. Is there a big sort of punk or pop punk scene in South Africa as much? No, I mean, look, the the sort of, what I'd probably say the Antwoord, but I mean, I haven't actually mm-hmm. really listened to a whole mm-hmm. lot of that. And I'm from very, you know, we'd have sort of one one uh, place that would have a live band in all of East London. It's a very small place. It would be sort of Geelong, Newcastle sort of size, maybe yeah. even, even smaller than that. Mm. Um, and so to be a, a, a live musician, um, or you just wouldn't be you wouldn't be chilling out in East London mm. playing a lot of music. It's yeah. just the way it is. So, mm. um, so no. Uh, in terms of a punk scene, that would be Joburg or, or Cape Town or, or yeah. Durban. Um, and again, that would be super small stuff as well. Mm. See, whereas in the UK, huge punk scene. Mm. Uh, I moved cities because of the independent punk scene and knowing people and people would stay. I've had countless bands that used to stay in my house. Um, Some famous bands from America who were touring Europe and then they knew a guy who was driving them around who knew me and they needed somewhere to stay in Leeds or in Brighton or whatever. And I used to just have all these random musicians kicking about my house all the time and I'd make them breakfast and they'd do the washing up. It was all very lovely. But... uh, uh, the punk scene there was epic yeah. from mm. from north to south no matter where you were you could find something which is really really interesting and yeah. and i found that coming to australia it's been somewhat different just because it's um everything's so much further apart mm. so okay. the, for the punk scene it's harder because um yeah because everything's further apart um the diy stuff that's coming up which i guess 
the if someone if a band like the Thermals were coming to tour over here, they'd be playing somewhere like the zoo or something like that. Yep. I imagine. Yep, so the zoo, I'd say. yeah, that would be the kind of fitting environment that they'd play. Mm-hmm. Have you been to the zoo no. yet? Oh, it's good. We'll go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yep. We bumped into each other. Liam and I bumped into each other at a gig there the other day. It was cool. Very nice. It's very uh, hot though. That's okay. Super stupidly hot. They they were putting in air conditioning, but I don't think it's made its way out into the general area. Where is it? In the in valley. The valley. Okay. So mo- most gig things in Britain, most gig venues in Brisbane are in the valley. Okay. Mm. Cool. Though I've only ever played in New Farm, but it wasn't punk. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it, but there may not be air conditioning, but they do do shots of whiskey. What's well, cool? So, you know, you have your ups and downs. Exactly. Um, but from yeah, from that perspective, like the Australian punk scene, it's it's harder. To, I, I'm hearing from Australian musicians and then American musicians who have toured Australia. It's so much harder because everything's so far Mm. away that if you want to do a tour of the East Coast, you can sometimes only play six venues Mm. of the whole of the East Coast of Australia. And that's but they basically go Melbourne to Brisbane and that's it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So um, and that's they're flying all that way. And they're doing that, and they're not selling enough merch mm. to cover things. So sure. they're playing small, smallish venues because it's harder to sell the tickets and da da da. So I, it doesn't surprise me that a band like the Thermals, who haven't had huge airplay yeah. or should have had, but haven't mm. had huge airplay, haven't yet toured or haven't and toured in the, the last six years. Yeah, th- and that's the thing. Like in the last six years, festivals like Laneway, um, mm. so the Laneway Fe- Saint Jerome's Laneway Festival, and some other festivals that are specialised in finding these bands and bringing them out just when they're on the cusp, like before they get big. But the Thermals are probably sort of one generation before that. So it went back when it was more about, no, no, you need to be big. We need to know who you are. You need to have lots of Triple J airplay and we'll mm. bring you out for the festival. Whereas, yeah, now it's sort of, they've missed, I guess, that window of like, if, if they put this album out now, then they'd probably get on those lineups and get mm. people bringing them out more. That's true, actually. I think it's the musical landscape is changing a bit mm. when it comes to independent music and yeah. across Australia, which would be good. But yeah, there's always scales of festivals in Australia, So, or sorry, scales of tours. Sure. So, so someone will say, we're touring Australia and just play Sydney, Melbourne, <laughs> and then everyone in Brisbane bitches. And then it's like, we're touring Australia and just play Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, and then everyone Adela- Adelaide else. bitches. And then it's like, they the next tour includes Adelaide and then Perth and then yes. the, they Perth bitches so then they include Perth the next time and yeah so it's always you always miss out I on never so many cans. people by just hitting a not not sometimes some if like they want to see the barrier go, reef yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah if they want to have a bit of a holiday on the way through they'll they'll have to play a show in Cairns but most of the bands I know who do that who play tours over here they'll stop in Byron on their way from yeah. Sydney and they'll go this is our holiday they have yeah. a couple of times they have a bit of time in Byron and then they head off head up to Brisbane and then fly back out from Brisbane so yeah I'm interested in 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 how you think that this album would be received now because I don't know if it would give get it necessarily as much traction it certainly would I would think it would get more coverage because I think certainly it's uh, I I find it challenging um, Mm. the first listen Um, but yeah you think it would get it would it would sell more records no no not right no so if they I think if they put this album out right now, they'd get less Australian airplay than they did at the time because, okay. like I said, Triple J picked up that song and in mid-2000s, that was the kind of sort of punky guitar-driven stuff that Triple J was playing. Mm-hmm. Triple J doesn't play as much of that stuff anymore. Like, they still do a little bit, but they're more focused on sort of the softer, um, sort of the lighter electro sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they might pick it up. Double J, which is their sister station, if this album came out right now, might pick it up and play it a little bit, but definitely not as much as they would have, which means, yeah, they would struggle to get that attention here in Australia. Cool. Mm. 
Okay. But yeah, they're all on, Hutch is on Twitter under the thermal. So every now and again, okay. I send him a tweet saying, please come out to Australia. And a couple of times he's responded <laughs> going, yeah, okay, we'll try or whatever. But it's just, yeah, there's no. Tell yeah. him you can stay at my place. Like yeah. I've got we'll a history of looking after bands. It's we'll fun. do whatever we can to make it cheaper and we'll get yeah. them We'll play in your garden. Like yeah. Like and <laughs> there you go. Just bring one guitar each. Like we don't, we don't need this hey, big soundscape of we a thousand guitars. I've got a PA. Just, yeah. I've got, mu- I've got instruments. It's there we fine. go. The invitation's open. We're, bringing we'll the just, stuff out yeah just hop on a plane and just come hang so out so they have they toured recently over there yeah so they tour they do tours every now and again okay. yeah then mm-hmm. um they've i think they had an album out last year or the year before so they would have toured mm-hmm. off the back of that okay. yeah. yeah so they're they're an active touring band sure. but yeah just not well known enough here in australia speaking of the musicianship and the instrumentation like i george is probably something that's more in your area if you had any thoughts about yeah, just I guess the just the skill level and the musicianship and the instrumentation specifically, like it's pretty straightforward stuff. Like it's mostly just I don't know a lot about it, but I, mm-hmm. could, I could see them just going, okay, one guitar, one bass. We're just going to do this. Like you just do the whole album with that one set of set of stuff. Oh, I have no complaints with mm. the way that this was written and with the way that it was played and also the way it's produced. You said yeah. it was the dude from Fugazi. Fugazi, yeah. Yeah. Well, that that says a lot. I didn't realize that when I listened to it, but I can hear that now. Yeah. So. Um, Fugazi always had an epic way of making bands sound live but polished when recorded. Mm. So I could almost feel like this record was, I was sat there and I was watching them, listening to, like, you know. So I've listened to it through a big stereo system and I've listened to it on my crappy little headphones and it still has got that beautiful quality. So Mm. musicianship-wise, I think, like, some of the guitar is really beautifully simple, Mm. Um, so I play guitar and bass, so I listen to that always. Um, but and I'm enthusiastic about drums, yeah, though nice. I'm not <laughs> inclined or talented towards that direction. Um, but I, when it came to the music, I was really impressed. I thought it was really beautifully done. Mm-hmm. So worked well. Um, the bass lines were. So one thing I always listen to in a record is whether the bass line just follows the guitar or if the bass line is is an independent instrument. Mm -hmm. And so in here, the bass was an independent instrument that played alongside the guitar in uh, a really beautiful rhythm uh, alongside the vocals again. And then the the drums weren't just um, keeping them on in time the yeah. drums were driving them and the drums were definitely a powerful instrument to express the emotion mm. throughout the whole record so from an instrumental pers- from the me being a nerd perspective yeah. um I, I had no faults whatsoever with that mm. with the way they play together yeah i it's a, quite unusual for me to have been the first album that i did to be a punk album because i don't i've never been a huge punk fan i've never listened to a lot of that punk sort of music and I'm probably a bad punk fan because this sort of that really I know a lot of punk fans like this sort of tight, polished, sheeny sort of punk stuff doesn't work for them. Like they prefer the rougher and the, you know, oh it's too clean or it's you know too studio produced. But this works really well for me, so I'm probably like a really bad punk fan that way. There's no such thing as a bad punk fan, except a punk fan that tells you that you're a bad yeah. punk fan. Yeah, that's the only bad one you can get. <laughs> if anyone's judging you, then like. Yeah. <laughs> spit on them and tell them it's punk yeah um, I'm not gonna um, it doesn't worry me that much but yeah so I think uh, it's sort of actually as I've gotten older so it's sort of one of those things where younger people tend to listen to the punk music and get angry and you know I'm angry at the world right now because I'm younger and that's what ha- the natural reaction to the world and then so they listen to punk music and then sort of I guess maybe age out of it a little bit 
I never listened to punk music when I was a kid. I didn't like that sort of that big, angry, heavy guitar-driven stuff. I wasn't angry at the world at any, any stage. And now as I've gotten older, I'm like looking, I've now got a clearer picture of the world. I can see the world for what it really is. And now I'm getting angry. <laughs> so now I'm starting to listen to punk music. <laughs> and now, like, <laughs> like my favorite albums of the last five years are all like punk and really angry albums. So you're Benjamin Button of music. Yeah, I've just done it. It's like, now's my time but now I'm too old to get into a mosh pit and thrash I just oh. my, knee, my knees no no just my knees not not <laughs> not conceptually just my knees can't handle it as well as they used to what's so. really funny is you thought this album was really too polished because like yes. I've got punk records that I've listened to and gone oh that's polished like Kanye polished yeah. you know like it's basically squeaky clean like polished mm. uh, whereas for me there was still stuff that was rough around the edges yeah, there yeah. was still so the fun. odd note where i'm like nah yeah. it's not in tune a little bit yeah you know so. so i've got relative pitch so i listen to things and go nah but it's yeah. punk so it's fine um so there's like punk and jazz i'll let it slide yeah um everything else i'm like nah perfect pitch or it nothing to be yeah should have been better so for me it wasn't a perfectly polished album mm. um so in that in the especially not in the punk realm there's stuff yeah. which are is really squeaky clean. This mm. was um, this still had some rough edges, so that's why I was like, ah, Fugazi reference, because they were always very good at going having that aspect of yeah. um, having a raw sound uh, that sounded really beautifully polished without being too polished. Mm. So I liked it. So yeah. um, I don't think from like if you, if you want to hear a really unpolished record I'll send you my bands yeah. um, and then well, I've also got some very polished punk that I can send you to even if you just listen to the very first Thermals record where it's just him in a, in, a, in his bedroom recording all the instruments and just screaming into a mic and yeah that's like I listen to that I'm like oh yeah I can see where he's go where he's going to go from this and mm -hmm. but I don't enjoy listening to that sort of that rougher stuff very much at all but then it also I guess it more captures that sort of live feeling of it like he's mm. literally just doing everything and playing it live as well and that's really hard to transition from yes yeah. when you get fans based on being a really rough sounding musician mm. um i know it was difficult at first for the white stripes who went from some someone who sounded like really really out of tune stompy two people in a bedroom kind of sound to being a very well produced band um a lot of people left them by the wayside so i think the fact that the original thermals fans have carried on being thermals fans from the rough and ready like just thrashing around in your bedroom mm. through to polished but beautiful albums that have come since i think that's they've done that they've transitioned really well yeah so mm. i think people have been more loyal in that respect yeah cool i'll never be polished for the yeah. record, yeah, <laughs> just, take, just take just take money, just, um, yeah, just sell out and make, yeah. make millions. Yeah, I'm just gonna get Alicia to produce all my stuff in yeah. the future. Would you reckon? Be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> she's smiling, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, what else have you got for us about the album that we haven't covered? Yeah. Um. That's probably about it. The only other thing I will say, um, there's a track towards the end called "Back to the Sea," which is sort of like a bit of a slower one, and the and the guitars like it's more just like a wall of noise rather than actually thrash out chords. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago, um. At work, people tend to know that I sort of like really like music, and I've got a, like, a wide range of artists and tastes that I like. And so they were like, "Oh, we're having some morning tea or a lunch or something like that. You should put together a mixtape because it was uh, talk like a pirate day, and also World Green Day or something like that." So it's like, <laughs> "Oh, you should put together a mixtape of songs about pirates in the color green." It's really hard to find songs about pirates. I wasn't as big a Decemberist fan back then as I was now. Otherwise, oh, I would have just played them Decemberist. The I would just play them with Decemberist mixtape. <laughs> But 
So I was going through iTunes looking for songs and that one that had the word C in it. So I just threw that in there and played it. And I don't know if you guys remember how it goes, but it's really not a very accessible song. Like it's not the kind of song you play. So <laughs> go, hey, here's this really cool band mm-hmm. called The Thermals. Like you've got to really like them. And he's at his most catawalling. Like he's just screaming and just like Ugh, into the mic. And it's just... So they're sort of sitting around and had a few songs and then that one came on and people sort of eating and listening and then someone said, Liam, what the hell is this shit? And they all just turned on me straight away. I was like, all right, you know what? That's that's my last mixtape. I'm not doing, you guys don't actually want a mixtape for work. We'll just put like AM radio on or something like that. That's what you really want. So yeah, that's, that song always sticks in my head as like the song that broke me at work. Oh, like here's all these really cool oh, songs and they're not, not broke me, but like just like, you guys, when people say to me, because people have asked me since then, oh, can we put together a thing for this? And I'm just like, yeah, no, that's fine. You guys can just bring it on your ice cream or something. I don't really do that anymore. Oh, you poor boy. No, 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 no. It's, that's not a sympathy story. That's not a I sympathy can, story. I'll introduce you to a Facebook group we have called Spotify Mixtape Monthly. Okay, I'm and all for that. every month, someone has to put together a playlist of about an hour of any genre with any theme that they and some some have been very obscure and I'll int- yep. I'll introduce it and you can feel safe. So do you get to pick yes. the theme or does someone else have to pick the theme? No themes. You, you okay. pick your own theme right. if you want to. So sometimes I've done themes based on International Women's Day. Nice. Um, okay. And sometimes I've done themes based on macabre things such as all artists that may have killed themselves yeah. um, and done an Fair entire enough. playlist. You can do at least an hour, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Uh, and if you can do it chronological as well. Yeah. yeah, it's really not difficult. So those sorts of things exist. And then, yeah. so if your, ba- if your uh, workmates don't appreciate you, yeah. we appreciate yeah. you, yes. Liam. We well, appreciate you greatly. Because I have a, well, it's defunct now, but hopefully be starting back up again soon. I have a radio show on Thursday nights. That I was doing like a digital radio show, and that I was doing themed playlists for that. So my my desire to make themed playlists has not abated just by these people. Excellent, good. good. So they haven't broken you completely. Yeah, no, no. The boss so has yeah, down. it wasn't. It wasn't a breaking. It was more like, all right, next time you ask for something, I know you don't. You're not really asking for it. That's mm-hmm. fine. This just... this podcast is a safe space. That's right. Yes. Yeah, this is where I'm bringing stuff to people who want to hear it. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So, how are we? Um, I don't have, have anything else. Did anyone else have any other thoughts or anything else you wanted to say with the album? No. All I was going to say is um, oh. I, I, I'm in a relationship with somebody who was extremely religious, who, knew, who does know every single Bible story now, and they are my bedtime stories because right. I don't care about the endings. Yeah. So uh, I sleep soundly. Uh, but I have not played this record to him, mm-hmm. partly because he doesn't like anything a bit anything more aggressive than Simon and Garfunkel. Right. Um, but uh, I was going to, and I didn't have the time to uh, get him to make his comments based on the different Bible stories that are referenced in it. Yeah. So if when we put this up, there should be a little paragraph underneath where I'm just going to have comments by Stephen. Yep. And they will be his little comments that will be referencing the Bible stories in there because he's told me the pillar of salt story quite a, quite a few times yep. as a way of aggravating me. Right. As, look, women don't women. matter. Yep. So I want to do that. <laughs> so I think this is one album that I'm like, do you know what? I can get him to comment on this. Not yep. musically, of course, yeah. but when it comes to the religious and political and mm. uh, landscape of it, I'm going to do that. So yep. uh, as, as a little side note, I wanted to mention that. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> All right, 
So we want to thank everyone for listening. Our producer is Alicia McLaren, so a big shout out to her. Woohoo! We have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash flawlessamp. So that's a music podcast. And also a Twitter account, which is twitter.com slash flawlessamp. Uh, if you're the person who has twitter.com slash flawless, you've written two tweets back in 2007, please get in touch. I want it. <laughs> you can join us on Facebook, Twitter. We'll be announcing what albums we'll be covering each week, so you can tell us all the reasons why you think they're awesome and all the reasons why you think we're awesome. I have actually forgotten something that I'm going to roll back around to now. And I'm surprising you guys with this. Flawless, yes or no, on the thermals, the body, the blood, the machine. Um, for what it is and what it stands for, actually, yeah. Start awesome. to finish, yep. I'd say for for being a, like a religious political landscape from 2006 as a way of almost like a rock opera describing the fleeing of Americans to Canada to save themselves, referencing all of the obscurities that it yep. does, and from a musical perspective and the production, yeah, yeah, I think so. Awesome, Grant. No, no. Why not? Specifically, and and, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I've, this this whole uh, um, us together is going to be a wonderful musical journey because yeah. I'm excited about all I'm going to learn about. But I think based on that, that same song, that I think um, this must be track number eight or number nine, right towards the end. I yep. think it was the one that you referenced. Yeah. I just didn't see how that one quite fitted in, mm-hmm. um, and that just threw me um, for that. Oh, as I said, I listened to it for the first time and I just didn't see that one fitting in quite as nicely yeah. with the whole flow. And then, um, But the rest of it was really good. All right. Well, close, but close, not, not quite there. Two thumbs up, one thumb down <laughs> for the thermals. Uh, other than that, thanks again for listening and we will see you next time. <laughs>